electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. An incredible late-day surge wrapping up another record-breaking Wall Street week for a lot of reasons. Hi, everybody, and good evening. Welcome to Fast Money. I am Brian Sullivan, and your traders on the desk on this Friday are Tim Seymour, Brian Kelly, Karen Feinerman, and Steve Grasso. All right, let's get right to it. Stocks staging what can only be described as a monster comeback. The Dow up nearly 600 points in the final 52 minutes of trading. The big move likely fueled in part by the Fed. Two key Fed officials hinting that more rate cuts or more could be on the way. And get this. A week that saw a thousand point swing in the market nearly every day was ultimately a giant round trip to nowhere. The S&P 500 ended the week pretty much exactly where it began. I think the Dow was able to actually finish slightly higher. Karen Feinerman, this was going to be your chart of the week. We were going to do it the next block. We got to lead with it. Everything's fluid right now. What happened? This I week? know. If you look at the chart, you'll see it was about a one and change percent move for the week. And imagine what a different feel we would have if every day during the week the market moved 30 basis points each day. And that would get us right where we are right now. That would be the change in the week. But obviously, that's not how it happened. So we have a very different market, a really treacherous market, and up a thousand, down a thousand day, back and forth. Is it really, it's a scary market. And we don't know where the bottom's going to be, but it, it was really starting to feel very panicky here. And, and so if you're a long-term investor, you sort of put your toe in, which yeah. you well, did. Do we take any solace in this bounce back, Tim? No. That maybe it's a double bottom, the fear bottom, whatever you're you want to call it. No, my name's not Tim, but I was answering it for you because I wasn't sure what you were going to do. All right, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to kind of disagree with everybody saying nothing happened. No one's saying nothing happened. Well, only Karen happened. spoke, so go <laughs> no, 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 no. But, but, but look, the bond market's not where it started the week. The bond market's down 35 basis points on the 10-year. The short end has is, is, is come in as well. Um, to me, that's really scary. Um, and the question you have to ask yourself is, is are the changes in, in asset prices, so week over week on equities, but overall since we started this pullback, are they proportionate to the decline in fundamentals? Or was the market mispriced? If I look at the fixed income market, I am extremely concerned. And credit spreads have widened this week. So we don't go out on Friday to me feeling in, in, I don't think we should feel good at all. You're saying look at bonds, don't look at stocks. Yeah, absolutely you should. And I realize that there's different dynamics, but, and there's a deflationary trend, and there's global rates and, and, and other parts of the world that might be pulling this uh, into a relative value trade. But that was what we were talking about two years ago. This is a very different dynamic. And the Fed, it's deja vu. This feels like last Friday. The same thing happened. We rallied off the bottom, and then we had the Fed threatening to do something over the weekend. They waited until Tuesday. You know, go ahead, Brian. That, well, that's exactly it, right? That, uh, to me, well, I, the, you know, for me, I, I covered some shorts that I had in this afternoon because am I concerned about another rate cut? On Sunday evening, some sort of stimulus coming. I, I don't think any of those will in the long run work, but I don't want to wake up on Monday morning with the market up, you know, the Dow up a thousand points if I'm short. So take your profits, move on. I think that's what happened in the, at the end of the, uh, at the end of the day here. I would not short take covering. any solace. <clears throat> yeah, well, short but covering. But last week, you're, or, da you're down at the NYC. Yeah. Was it, was it? 
A short covering? Was it an yeah, I'm, sure, I'm sure that surprise? that sounds like human nature. That's a lot of what happened. But let's remember, last week on Friday was rebalanced. It was the last day of the month. You had a lot of money that had to go into equities. There was about $30 billion that had to be bought in to equity side. And they don't have to do it, as I said last week. They don't have to do it on that day. So we could have seen a lot of that transpiring this week. But to your point, if you were short... Why would you roll the dice into the weekend? You have Pence meeting with the cruise lines tomorrow. You can hear something out of the Fed. You can hear something about tax breaks. There's a lot that can go wrong if you're short. You cover. We're not but, out of the but, Okay, yeah. so hold on. <clears throat> you guys are talking about sort of a short-term thing, right? Could we get a Sunday surprise right. or whatever it is? Is there any reason to be longer-term or medium-term more optimistic because of the way we close today? Or is it really all just about the Monday morning set? I think it's, I, I think it's more optimistic that we didn't get pressed on the lows because for, for using Brian a, a, as an example, if you were overwhelmingly negative, as you've been in the past, you could have pressed your you could have said, you know what, the Fed's not going to do anything. We need a vaccine. We don't need a cut. Or I don't care what Mike Pence does on the tax side for cruise lines. Or I don't get, I, I don't care if there's stimulus or if there's anything else that's going to happen. And you press your shorts. We didn't see that. We were down 900 points in the Dow and we fought back. That, to me, if you're looking for some sort of a silver lining and the fact that we held 28.55 in the S&P cash, to me, was slightly constructive in a world that in a very opaque Just to world. be clear, if we get some of those things on Sunday night, a Fed rate cut or a stimulus package, I will put my shorts out again because that is not the solution to this. Well, if you think about, so Steve's talking about, you know, 2 o'clock today or maybe 1 o'clock, uh, you looked and you said the market probably now is going to close below last Friday, and that was going to be very significant. So, so technically, however you want to look at this small recovery, but if you look at charts that are absolutely broken, it's going to be nice to listen to Carter and get his view a week after we, we really kind of uh, got to that place, and it looks like not a whole lot's happened. But to me, a lot of these charts, there's no reason equities are going to get away from you here. I don't care what the Fed tells me. There's absolutely zero. I heard companies all week coming out and telling you uh, about what certainly will be uh, not just lower earnings growth, but how about negative earnings growth? How about contraction in EPS? So as far as I'm concerned, uh, I think equities are obviously a pricing mechanism, but uh, it's back to I look at bonds and I look at stocks and I say something is not right on one of these sides. And, and, you know, it might be a little bit of both, but the bond market to me is, is, is difficult. Well, let's look at the fundamentals, right? And I know there's a lot of Listen, there's a huge debate about this. This, I mean, I was at an event the other night, and half the people thought it was a media-created hoax and it's hysteria. Other people are hoarding stuff. South by Southwest was just canceled. Okay, 130,000, I think, attendees over a two-week period. You're talking about tens of millions of economic activity. That's obviously a bigger example, Karen. So when we look at that just as a litmus test for the economy, do you think that the economic fundamentals in a month, because the market is a discounting mechanism, Mm -hmm. Will the economic fundamentals in a month or two or three mirror the kind of market moves that we have seen? Is the market going to be right? Is the market going to be right that it gets worse and so it'll trade so down? So we'll, talk about, not, we'll uh, talk about the airlines being down 40%. And some right. people on social media will say, I was on a flight and it was full. And they'll right. think you're being Are they going to talk like okay. that? But, <laughs> but so I think yeah, we will know. see a real contraction in economic activity. I think that's getting priced in right now. The question, I think, is... I mean, you know, we would want to talk about not necessarily coronavirus, but the economy. But this is really on the heels of the coronavirus numbers, right? How quickly do we sort of ramp up the S-curve like they did in China and start to get, start to plateau? We're, we're, we're a little while away from that, I think. 
But I think people are going to start to look through that. And I think there's, I don't think of the market as just one big monolith where all stocks are priced the same. They're not. Some are in much more danger than others. But, so, I, but if you look at some with great balance sheets, those are the kind of things I want to own. But I think when you, when you start talking about the airlines, when you look the, at Delta, I'm only trading off, I, I really rest on technicals because I have, a, I have a tough time, as I'm sure the rest of you do, trying to figure out the fundamentals behind coronavirus. So when I look at Delta and it's trading and sticking to that 46 level, which has been pretty good support for the past, I don't know how long, I think that you could buy that stock. When you look at where it's come from, these airlines have been in 20, 30, 40 percent. So to Brian's question, I think they've priced in a heck of a lot of negativity. And how many times do we say it's a kitchen sink quarter? This, if anything, Everyone's going to get a pass. No one's going to hold anyone's feet. Yeah, but Tim. Tim. Yeah, two quarters. So, you know, as we talk about bottom-up stories, and the airlines are a good place to do it because they're, they're the center of the storm. And, and if you look at the EPS markdowns, I think they've been totally proportionate. Uh, I think there are balance sheet issues in a significant part of that sector. Uh, I do think if you, you know, we're just starting to see, actually, uh, their, their load rates, everything about their capacity also seems to be getting reeled in. And they're going to start cutting prices. I just got flooded. My, my email box got flooded with promotions from, from some of the big airlines. And, hey, you want to go to Europe? the summer. It's never looked better. Um, that's coming out yeah. now. So that concerns me. But it gets back to, look, you can't just look at it from the side of, hey, did, is the virus going to impact growth X? And does that equate to what stocks have done? You have to ask yourself, was the market priced three weeks ago or a month ago in the right place? Because if, if you think that the market was fine, then you have every reason then to say, hey, coronavirus is a temporary to short and midterm. We're going to get through this. I believe we will get through this. And despite a South by Southwest or any conference, but, Brian, that you're going to, well, it doesn't really matter. I, yeah. I think, isn't the key more of, of how long this goes on? Okay. I, I mean, because we had Tillman Fertitta on uh, Power Lunch today, and he owns 600-plus restaurants, five casinos, hotels, and Houston Rockets, the consumer king. And he said his restaurant business was down a million dollars a week, or a day, rather, in revenue. Usually does 12, so it's about, what, 8, eight to 8.5% eight on, on just the revenue side if you extrapolate that out two months, then it goes back to normal. You could say that's, that's, that's a hit, but it's not the end of the world, Karen. So I think, isn't this really more about how long the slowdown goes? How long and that it doesn't get worse than that one of... Let's say airlines lose 30% of their capacity for a month. That's a lot different than losing 30% of your capacity for six months. Absolutely. But it's not all, all months are not the same. If we're heading into summer when they really make a lot of money and things are like this or like we're going into... That will be bad for them. I think there'll be more downside if, we, if, uh, if we're not feeling better about where the U.S. is in the coronavirus um, evolution by summer. I would just say, though, don't, don't discount the fact that this started as a health crisis, but it is quickly morphing into an, a real economic problem. The more people, whether it's panic, fear, whether it's justified or not, as people stop going to Tillman Furtado's restaurants, as people stop flying... Those, most people don't have savings, so you're dipping in. It takes a long time for consumers to come back and build yep. those savings I, back up. So I think there's it, a small, short window here that is closing for the health crisis to be nipped in the bud before that, it and that's, gets an that's, economic that's, crisis. We're, we're, I know this is not normally what we do on Fast Money, but you're bringing up an important point. I think from a human element, you know, you talk about millions of people that have one week of savings in their bank account. That's it, one week. And then millions more who have un, they don't have paid leave. Right. They don't have paid sick leave. You know, if you start to see people not be able to go to work and not earn an income that don't have the backup, 
That takes a long time and to those, rebuild. Those, that's why I wonder if the bond market is doing what it's doing and signaling maybe a sharp I don't know. recession. No? I, no, no. I, yes. I, don't I, I, was about, I was saying I don't know when the bond market has not done that, done it accurately. And, and look at Japan. Uh, you know, so uh, I think this is all about psychology. I think this is all about market positioning as much as anything. And, and we all know that the market needed some trigger, and it's usually the trigger you're not expecting. Uh, look, how about before used to be bad news uh, plus psychology meant the market went higher? Market psychology was I was actually going to buy this because bad news was good news. But now you have a case where bad news is truly bad news. And, and, and actually bad news is actually in the form of we're getting earnings and we're getting real bottom-up yep. dynamics for companies that are unavoidable. And, and I just think that that's the biggest thing that's going on here. And I think 3380 or wherever we topped out on the S&P was something that was not where we should be. But, but to uh, just, just to wrap, wrap up the on, on the rates issue, though, when you pan back and look at it, I know Carter's going to cover this, but when you pan back and look at a long term chart on rates on the 10 year, it's done nothing but go down. So this is the velocity that everyone is scratching their head because you saw rates start to climb and we thought we were getting to a normalized state, whatever that means. And now the velocity to which it's breaking down, I think, is shocking everyone. But I don't think that means that we're going into a falling off into an abyss of a recession. If we come out of this, your question, if we come out of this in three months in, or earlier than six months, I think things will normalize again. And that's what we have to price out. All right, well, we can't talk airlines or any kind of transports without talking oil. Oil, and listen, really was the big story today in the market because while stocks may have come back, oil did not. Closed down nearly 10%, hitting fresh four-year lows, losing 9%. OPEC could not come to a deal, guys. They, they walked out. Russia would not bless anything. I don't, people could say it's the end of Russia plus OPEC. Who knows? We're here to look at the stock market. Is oil telling us something also like the bond market or is well, oil its own thing i think oil's its own thing i think this is your black swan that the health crisis and coronavirus is a white swan that's quickly turning gray oil's your black swan in what way Be wow. well because we have a lot of debt as you know in the oil patch that's the epicenter for this expansion of debt that we've had since the financial crisis and so oil is acting on its own if you get oil down in the 30 dollars a barrel level that's going to be a problem that uh, in and of itself was an economic hit. Add on top of it that you have this economic shock from the virus. This is where it starts to get a little concerned. But there's a little help, I guess, and gas prices come down, jet fuel yeah, prices. Yeah, but if you're not driving to work, I, 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 I'm, I'm trying to find something that's not just <laughs> terrible. Okay, just give me a break here, Tim. I know you'll agree on this. I want to make this graphic for you with, with you in mind, actually. All right, uh, which is a nice it's a little complicated. <laughs> it spreads, it's bond spreads, and prices. And it comes from Miller Tabak. They sent it out this morning. And you can see, if we can put it up, guys, I know we have it, that basically the, the spreads are blowing out. What that means in plain English is, okay. look, look at that. So that's corporate bond spreads, triple B to A rated. We're seeing the credit markets start to react here strongly, are we not? And that's the bigger risk. Well, again, you've got a 35 basis point widening air uh, across that uh, across that credit class. And, and the bigger part to be concerned about is this triple B minus uh, big, big group of companies that that in many cases have, have gorged themselves on debt. Again, if you look at business debt to GDP, we've never been higher. Uh, and, and I realize rates have never been lower, but it doesn't mean that every company can come to market in the same way. Uh, and I think that is what is, is ultimately, you guys are talking about the energy sector. That's the biggest impact of the energy sector. The energy sector is a linchpin for high yield and for distressed assets that I think could then trigger. Uh, there's, there's a lot of weak hands in the retail space. There's a lot of lever, you know, and, and as you get in some of the big industrial companies, look at Ford Motor Credit. I mean, you know, there's, there's, there's dynamics here 
that this is the trigger. Brian's gray, white, blue, purple. Yeah, slime. it was white going gray, but it's like an LL Bean catalog. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, listen. A good discussion there. We get we get done it for hours because there's a lot to get through. We'll do more tonight, so be sure to stay tuned for our continued coverage tonight, seven o'clock Eastern Time. Markets of turmoil. Special talk about the markets, the economy. I'm sure more on the latest on the coronavirus as well, and the economy, and really what is a, an economic story. In the meantime, we are just getting started here on Fast Money. Up next, more on the rate shock yields. We talked about it plunging to record lows. We'll talk about their impact on banks and one key part of the market. And later, why defense may literally be the best kind of offense in this market, where options traders are finding a measure of safety. As always, live at the NASDAQ and back after this. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. All right, welcome back to Fast Money. A rather breaking, another record-breaking day, he said, in the bond market. It's been a long week. The yield on the 10-year Treasury hitting a new record low, breaking below 0.7%. Closed at 0.773. That historic move having a huge impact on one key part of the market. Carter Worth over at the Plasma to chart it for us. And it's ugly, Carter. It's pretty ugly. Banks have been ugly for a while, and they just got worse. You all were talking about it earlier, and let's talk about it a little bit more. But first... Uh, this is the entire history of the TLT. We know it's been a one-way trade for rates, which, of course, is the opposite for price. But what is now a record is that the TLT is literally to the penny at the top of the channel that it has lived in its entire existence. It literally is touching there as we speak. And even if and as this goes higher, I think the path higher passes through a lower price. In fact, the Nasdaq 100 got to the top of its 10-year channel and backed away. So my hunch is here is that this is truly overdone and you can catch a bit of a, a, a downdraft in TLT. But more importantly, banks. Um, this is the KBW Bank Index, and I've got uh, two parts of the chart. It's the top, which is the index itself, and the bottom is relative performance of the S&P. Now watch this. I'm going to put in some lines. And what we have here is the following. On the top, we have now broken, right? We had a very well-defined trend line, and we have broken it. And so if I were to zoom in here, you can actually see this. We're now officially below the line. And we have also broken below to 52-week and 10-year lows on the relative. Let's move forward. Now, I'm going to show you an all-data chart that goes back to the 2007 peak. And this is the real tragedy. It's the problem with dilution. Now let's put in some lines. The BKX index never even got back above its 2007 peak. Now, yes, individual banks have, J.P. Morgan, fantastic. But as a bet, as an aggregate, as a theme, as an investment, as an alpha proposition, um, can't make a high in 10, 20 years, and its relative performance is below its 09 low. And so while there are ones that are better than others, the, the notion that somehow this has been or ever was a good area never really uh, was true. It's certainly not good right now. All right, Carter, we're going to see coming up in options action as well. Uh, BK, the banks. You know, 
it's not a great environment for the banks, unfortunately. There is going to be some that actually do, you know, J.P. Morgan will probably weather the storm. Um, there'll be a time to buy the U.S. banks. I don't think they're going out of business by any means. As I said last night, all the fire trucks are parked right outside the banks. They've got their hoses ready. Chances of there being a huge problem with the U.S. banks, I think, are slim. That doesn't mean they're great investments in this environment. I think if you're looking at the banks, the more that I'm concerned about is the European banks. You look at the European bank index down 25% from its February highs. That's where the epicenter is going to be if there's problems with the banks. Yeah, I think if you, if you think about the money center banks, you've had a dynamic where people really focused uh, valuations around what's been going on with the yield curve. We know, in case you haven't done the math after today, it's now uh, the, 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 the 10-year yield has dropped 79% since the peak in November of 2018. So um, there's some dynamic here. I, I think banks' profitability is much more defendable than just based upon that. The biggest issue would be the credit issues that I think is what people are doing to the banks right now. I don't think this is about profitability. Yeah, and, and it's not their balance sheets. Yeah. Not their. Right. It's not yeah. their credit. To be clear, sorry. It's, it's not them. Right. It's right. they hold. It's, it's exactly. stuff that they hold. So, uh, by the way, I think all of us here wish Jamie Dimon a speedy uh, recovery. Of course, Obviously, absolutely. a sudden situation. I love Jamie Dimon. Oh, we, yes. we yes. know. Yes. I didn't want to, but 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 sounds like he's getting better, and that's yes. a good thing. So, all of us here wishing Jamie a uh, speedy recovery as well. All right. Coming up, we're going to put the tech in protection, how you can seek safety in one of the hardest-hit sectors of this recent sell-off. And a reminder, if you can't catch us live, check out the app. We're back after this. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Edward Jones, who knows that just like life, financial planning isn't only about long-term goals. It's about the moments big and small along the way. And when it comes to achieving everyday financial goals, Edward Jones works hard to connect you with someone you can trust professionally and personally. That's why they created their free financial advisor matching tool to help you find a financial advisor in your community. When you take the quiz and get your matches, don't expect just a list of resumes. You'll also see each financial advisor's story and personal interests. And when it's time to meet for the first time, they'll focus on your story, asking questions to understand where you're headed and why. Because Edward Jones knows that at the end of the day, behind every financial goal is a life goal. And that's what really matters. To learn more and find your financial advisor partner, take the quiz at match.edwardjones.com. All right, reminder, coverage continues of this wild week on Wall Street. The markets, your money. Again, do not miss our special report, which is Markets and Turmoil, 7 p.m. Eastern time tonight, right here, of course, on CNBC. All right, it is time now for our final trades. How are we setting up? For Monday, Tim Seymour. Well, so whether it's Campbell Soup or things that have been really defensive here because people are going out and stocking up, uh, you know, Netflix to me being defensive because people are going to stay inside and, and rent movies is, is crazy. But this is a stock that I didn't like their, their cash burn going into this. This is a stock actually I shorted today. It's a stock actually I think will go lower. Uh, short Netflix. BK? Uh, well, for me, it's still about the precious metals. If you think about what's going on, we're having a deflationary shock to the economy. So you cut rates. The next step of that is you devalue your currencies. So gold, Bitcoin, and silver. Karen. 
So obviously crazy week. What I'm looking to do is yesterday sold some puts when the VIX was just going berserk. It's scary and hard to do. Could have sold them better today, but what can you do? And then I want to buy quality companies. Alphabet with the biggest cash hoard nearly on the planet. I think they'll survive well. Uh, clearly, if, more, if you know the economy shrinks, ad shrink. Probably decent for you. Fire of Google. All right, Steve. Keep an eye on the S&P cash level at 28.55. It's imperative that that holds or else we go much lower from there. But Microsoft is my final trade. I think money's going to come back in the tech. Watch yep. Microsoft for a bounce. All right, guys. Thank you very much. Crazy. Great job to everybody. Options action will be up right after this short break. Stick around. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee.